When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to the post-Minnesota Vikings Baltimore Ravens Purple Podcast. The Vikings, as you know, 26-14 winners. And Judd, I do not believe that the NFL Network will be pulling this game to show late at night along with its classics. That was, uh, let's just say I'm very, very happy I didn't pay to attend today's tilt. Because if I had, I'd be very bitter about any money. I don't care if I spent a dollar on this game. And yes, if you're a Vikings fan, I'm sure you're pleased. Uh, That was an often difficult-to-watch football game. You know, a lot of times in the NFL, what we'll have is a game comes on, and we think, oh, Team X should do this, and Team Y should do that. And we're totally surprised at the end, and we say, wow, that went exactly against how we thought it was going to turn out. Today went exactly how you thought it was going to turn out between the Vikings and the Ravens, right down to the sacks. If you would ask me, how many times will they sack Joe Flacco? I would have said, ah, four or five. They'll get after him, and they'll sack him, and he won't average many yards per attempt. (laughs) And the Ravens will hope to run the ball, but they won't be able to run the ball. And Case Keenum will do just enough not to mess it up entirely to win the game, and that is what happened. But Judd... The second half of this season cannot be Case Keenum throwing 31 passes for 188 yards and an interception if the Vikings are going to continue to be one of the NFC's best You're sounding the alarm. You sound like me. You are. So, okay. So, if the Vikings are uh, are to continue to be at the top of the NFC North, and if the Vikings are going to win the division and potentially make a playoff run offensively, because they are going to get guys back. So Diggs eventually is going to come back, clearly. Uh, they will get some guys back. But that being said, what do they need from the quarterback position to be successful? And is, at this point, Bridgewater or Bradford the two people that can provide that? Uh, because I think if you were to ask me, uh, rank your offensive MVPs for this game, I suppose Latavius Murray and his 113 yards rushing and uh, touchdown might be atop that list, but I'm going to tell you, vying for it up today's game, Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer's game plan was spectacular, but how is the Vikings' success at quarterback going to look if indeed it happens? Well, you can only game plan a team to get just enough yards to set up six field goals 
or against Chicago to set up a game-winning field goal when you barely score and your offense doesn't do a whole lot outside of a big Jarek McKinnon play. You can only do that for so long. And if you look at the quarterbacks that they're having success against with this model, nobody's a big superstar. They lost to Matt Stafford, and then they beat Mitch Trubisky, a rookie in his first start. They beat Brett Hundley, who had never really played before. And then they beat Joe Flacco, who is the most broken-down quarterback I've ever seen, and I feel sad. Oh, he's I, a mess. I was not a big Joe Flacco fan or anything. I thought he had a four- or five-year run where he was very good, maybe not elite, but very, very good and great in big games and things like that. Yep. He sacked himself once today, just like how Sam Bradford looked when his knee wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And, and the point just being that this defense is as good as you think it is. It's one of the best in the NFL. They can win with defense. But if they want to be a real contender in the NFC, if they want to be one of the stronger teams, they need Bridgewater or Bradford to come back. And they need the offense to be explosive because you don't have Delvin Cook anymore. And they need Stephon Diggs to come back. And they need to be able to rip off some sort of big plays, convert on third downs, keep drives going, all those things that good quarterbacks like Sam Bradford and Teddy Bridgewater can do. But just dumping it off to Kyle Rudolph a bunch of times is just it's it's or not running work. backs of your choice. So would, would you say because this occurred to me today? Uh, first of all, I did think I thought that Case in the second half was better, but I thought he was awful in the first half. So I'm not exactly uh, praising him. My observation is this: there are times in the first half where it, it looked like he was aiming the ball. He was like trying to will the ball to uh, to the uh, potential receivers. The other thing that occurred to me was that when he was at, when he was asked by Shermer occasionally today to be a real National Football League quarterback, it didn't work. I mean, when Shermer said, we're going to roll you out and you're going to play point guard, and so you're going to sort of just dump the ball off here and there, it was functional. But when they said, okay, Case, it's time to make a big boy pass, it was like, oh, I don't know about that. One of the things that Teddy Bridgewater does spectacularly well is throw intermediate routes and make tough throws into throwing lanes, accurate throws down the field on deep out routes and things like that that keep drives going and rip off big plays. The great quarterbacks do that. The backup quarterbacks basically have to dump the ball off because they can't make those throws Mm -hmm. because those are big-time quarterback throws. And I don't think Case Keenum can hit intermediate throws down the middle of the field to the outsides. I think he only has... Two choices. He either launches it up in the air and hopes that one of his great wide receivers jumps over someone to bring it in, which we saw a bunch of times against Tampa Bay because they had no defensive players yet. Or he has to dump it off because, like you're saying, even when he had to make a 10-yard throw to Kyle Rudolph, who was wide open, he missed him. And we saw the same thing against Detroit, where there were several times where Rudolph was open, one in the middle of the field, another one I remember pointing out on tape, down the sideline where he's open and he just gets missed by an inferior quarterback. I mean, this is the reality of what Case Keenum really is. I mean, if anybody sat there and thought, okay, we've got a three quarterback competition, then I'm not sure what you were watching because outside of the Tampa Bay game, he has not been good. He has been basically schemed to get a lot of help from those dump offs. They've had a very good running attack and they did today with Latavius Murray in the big plays End of story. Case Keenum cannot carry you week after week after week. However, Judd, he can carry you through next week against the Cleveland Browns. 
gonna have to. And then you're <laughs> and then you're in the driver's seat for the second half of the season at six and two. And if, if that's the case, though, I'm I'm very once again, no pun intended there. I'm sorry. If that's what's going to happen, how about that? I just say case. If that's what's going to happen, though, I guess uh, I am curious to see what they're going to do is if they're going to try and just make this work and scheme on a, a week-by-week basis. Now, now among the issues with the uh, post-buy schedule is this, too. You have three home games left now. So you're going to go on a three-game road trip. I, I believe that starts Thanksgiving in Detroit. But you have you have now played so you're five and two through seven weeks. You have played five home games. So yeah, I now now the one thing I will say about the Vikings playing ugly games is when you have a really good defense, which these guys do, it's outstanding at times. It lends itself, Collar, I believe, to ugly games because they're trying to muck things up and they're not trying to make it pretty and they're not trying to make games sexy. Uh, so I think part of the reason why these games aesthetically aren't pleasing is because the defense is so good and that's their goal. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you on if you were to ask me right now, hey, do you think that this will just continue to work? I'd be skeptical. And if you're not skeptical after last year, when we saw this team uh, start 5-0 and and then absolutely fall, fall apart, you're not paying attention. I mean, if I get that there's a lot of purple Kool-Aid drinking Viking fans out there. But if you don't at least have some cynicism towards how, how this is going to work and, and what the quarterback position is going to evolve to, then I think you're basically saying, I just don't care because I love my team so much. I, and I think that there is a difference between what we're talking about here toward, is it a team that could, with Case Keenum, grind out enough wins to win the NFC North now without Aaron Rodgers? Yes, it is, because now the NFC North is really, really bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, Detroit does not look like a good team. I never thought they were a good team. Even when they were 3-1, and one, they, to me, did not look like a great team. They didn't do a whole lot in the offseason to improve their defense, which is still pretty poor. And I've never bought into Matt Stafford being a top-notch quarterback. I think he's just good and really great occasionally. So you would still be in a great situation, even if Keenum had to play the rest of the year, to make the playoffs. But I think now as we get to 5 and 2, you start to look at the other teams in the NFC and start to stack yourself up against them and ask where are we going to fit if you make the playoffs, assuming that you do. If you if you're 6 and 2, you should make the playoffs unless it's it happens as it did last year. Yes, no guarantees true. now. I was gonna but, say, if you're five and zero, oh, you should make the playoffs too. It, so at six and two, you could have a meltdown and still go eight and eight and win the yeah. division as bad as it's going to be. But what I'm getting at is just one of these quarterbacks. In order for this team to be a true contender going into the playoffs, at some point, one of these quarterbacks has to come back healthy and run this offense like a real offense, as opposed to just. Hey, we're going to scheme to just cover up for everything that Case Keenum can't do. And like you said, the real MVP of the first seven weeks of this season outside of the defense, but the real MVP on offense is certainly Pat Shermer Mm -hmm. finding a way to make these things happen. And I would also say that the offensive line has been very good too, but we have two more offensive linemen dinged up today. And if you're missing an offensive lineman, you're missing pieces, it's going to get harder and harder for Case Keenum to just survive. So you're going to need someone to come back. I just, Judd, I just don't know who it's going to be. I don't know if Bradford is ever coming back or ever going to play in the league again the way it looks. And 
Teddy Bridgewater, I see more and more positive stuff coming out about him from practice. Ian Rappaport was talking about the possibility of coming back after the bye. But I remain skeptical on Bridgewater because of what he went through. Sure, you don't know yet. And how they're going to be able to figure out when he can actually return and play at the same level that he did before. And now I do think he plays. The the question becomes if he does play, if and when he does play, how well does he play? And and can he can he return for a sustained period of time? Or are there going to be setbacks? Or is he not going to look the same to the point where he has to be rebenched or benched? the offensive line, though, to me, was, was an interesting one today because uh, Jeremiah Searles, who was playing the left guard uh, in place of Easton, went down late second quarter with a knee. Riley Reef, your prized left tackle, who, by the way, has been very good, uh, went out with a, a knee injury in the second half. But long story short, it speaks, it's a testament to how horse bleep this line was last year that even with those, those guys coming out today, the line still played well. This this offensive line, I give the Vikings a lot of credit because last year it was a dumpster fire. Guys got hurt. There were not sufficient replacements. We've uh, talked about Clemmings a thousand times. But whatever they did last year clearly did not work, and they could not have screwed that situation up worse. I give them credit because that offensive line, even with two potentially key components coming out today, played really well, I thought. They did, yeah. And Rashad Hill handled Terrell Suggs when he had to pretty well. That's something that you might not expect, but Rashad Hill is part of an offensive line that was not only rebuilt with pretty solid starters at left and right tackle, and at the center position, they might have a star in Pat Elfline, but it was also built with some depth. I mean, they draft Danny Isadora in the fifth round, but he emerges during training camp preseason, wins a job at that position, and he stepped in. I thought he played just fine in the middle, too, considering that the Ravens do have a good defense. And it does speak to just how much effort was put into this. And Rashad Hill kind of coming out of nowhere. I mean, they found the guy. Jacksonville. Uh, yeah, right? Jacksonville's practice squad last year, mm-hmm. and they sign him, and he's turned out to be a player that you can trust. Again, though, long term, you need Riley Reef to be in there. Mm-hmm. And if there are injuries that hold them up, it's just going to make it more and more difficult for Case Keenum to survive. But I think that the headline that I come out of this game with is, yes, you survived. Yes, you grinded it out. But if there was anybody thinking that Case Keenum could just continue through the rest of the season to play and you'd be fine, well, that's not the case. I think what we have learned, too, and... Pun intended. Uh, it's just awful. But there's I no, meant it. You can't, you can't avoid it. I think what we've learned, too is this about this league because there's so many god-awful games right and there's so many average to below average teams is if you could come up with a plan on a week-by-week basis to survive that game and i'm not going with the old cliche win the game i'm honest to god saying survive that game so now you don't have going into this game uh floyd was inactive for today digs the same thing and you lost two uh, your old linemen during the course of the game if you can find a way to scheme up a plan to survive the game, you're happy. You're happy because you know that your defense, for the most part, is going to be really good. You know that your offense is suspect. But if you can get just enough and you can get, you know, six bleeping Kai Forbath field goals. Of course, he doinks the extra point, misses a PAT again. But six Kai Forbath field goals, okay, you just survived it. I mean, you didn't, you didn't win a pretty game. And there was nothing, offensively at least, 
for the most part, that get you style points, but you just survived, and Green Bay didn't survive today. This definitely had the Rex Grossman Bears feeling to it, right? Yes, that's a great, yes. Yeah, you're not kidding. Where you just embarrass the other team's quarterback, they couldn't run at all. The the one thing about this defense, because I I feel like I am stuck on this point about Keenum, but I can move on to how good the defense was again. And the, the thing about this defense is you can't run against them. You just... Linval Joseph is, I'll say it every podcast, one of the best players in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He does not allow anyone to run up the middle of the field. And when teams are trying to run between the tackles, they have no luck. Now when they're trying to run outside the tackles, they get chased down by Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter, and Anthony Barr, who we said before the season was the centerpiece, the key to whether you succeed or not. Mm-hmm. The difference between a good defense and one of the league's best defenses was Anthony Barr. And he's been good in every game. There has not been a single time, Judd, where I've thought, eh, you know, Barr, he hasn't really shown up today. He's been fantastic, and it feels like he's getting better from week to week. He was maybe having – I don't know if this was his best game, but it was one of his best. He, he was great. And and what's what's so impressive about this defense is it is it seems to me like it's a different star every week, right? Harrison Smith last week, phenomenal against the Packers, and we talked about that. Barr today – Linval has been that, that that guy. For the most part, teams don't throw at Rhodes. I mean, Rhodes jokingly said, "Well, they did throw at, at me a few times," but he was being kind. I mean, they probably threw at him what three times. They don't want to throw at him. Heck, Trey Waynes, who's not a great player, but he can tackle and he's not a disaster, right? So, but yeah, I mean, Bar. It's funny because it seems like every week we hit on a different player who's very good, who's the star. So Smith last week, Bar this week. Next week, it'll be Griffin or Hunter or Joseph. You know, it's just every week it's a different guy. I hate to pull this back to Case Keenum, but there is a Case Keenum offense You really got to get over this. I know. You really got to get past this collar. But there is an offensive point about this. that What you have here from this Vikings team is a special defense now. There are lots of teams that go year to year where it's maybe – one year they're great, and the next year they're okay. I did a study on this in the offseason because I had College a lot thesis. to do. Um, but I, I looked at this, how often teams were able to stay in the top five three years in a row. The Ravens did it when they were really great, but very rarely in the free agency era, especially recently, have teams been able to stay as top five defenses in points against most of the time they started to slip or fall back after even just one year but especially after two Mm -hmm. and this defense under Mike Zimmer is on year three of being one of the elite defenses in the league I feel like they're getting better because they've played with each other for so long that they have so much chemistry and that their players that were once young are now matured into stars Mm -hmm. like Xavier Rhodes like you're saying and even though Trey Wayans is not a superstar he looks like an NFL player out there now. He holds up just fine, I yeah. think. And Anthony Barr bouncing back from last year. I Every time we ask someone about that, we get, I thought he was good last year. Well, the coach didn't think he was good last year. It wasn't just pro football focus. I think we all thought Barr struggled last year. My guess now is that was a physical thing. Yeah. And now that he's confident in his body, he could be confident in how he's playing because he is attacking the ball. I think even better than he did in 2015, that, that he is just going after guys. He hasn't picked up the sacks or an interception or anything like that, but he isn't allowing anything in coverage, and he's making big plays against the run. And I said a couple of years back, I think, Barr to me, I, I was asked the question, who's the most important person in this defense? And I said Barr. So, so when his play fell off last year, 
it wasn't that he still wasn't okay, but okay is not good enough. I mean, this guy has the potential to cause huge problems and to be a constant pain in the side of, of teams. And so you needed to see him go back to being that, that player. And he is now. I mean, he is getting some sacks. He's all he's he's got the ability to be all over the field. And Kendricks played well t- today too. Uh, you know, but they are getting. And, and I will say this. So I often say that I, for the Vikings to win, their offense needs to be in. And my term is competent. And I'm sure that's like, well, okay, competent means what? Here's competent. Here's where here's where Pat Shermer helped his def- helped the Vikings defense today. Very very simple stat: time of possession. The Vikings won uh, time of possession 3201 to 2759. And to me, the one thing where this offense could hurt its own defense is what? If they basically three and outs, they can't run the ball, and now you're putting that defense back out there all the time. That's a problem. So, so when I talk about what does this offense need to do, it needs to be competent. Competence is being able to hold the ball, even if you don't score. Hold the ball, though, so that your defense isn't constantly being put out on that field. Or turning the ball over. The, sure. only, the only turnover yeah. that they had, and this is where Case Keenum has been good for the most part, oh, yeah. is the only turnover that they had I forgot about this. was on a deep bomb to Laquan Treadwell that was down by the end zone and didn't really make that big of a difference. Uh, but we might as well talk about Laquan Treadwell a bit here. Um, it's over. I mean, it's just over. Well, we've been, sa- we've been it, saying that for a while. And, it's and, been over, but now it's really and, over. And by the way, Vikings, closed circuit, but this shouldn't be that tough. Jarius Wright can play. I mean, Jarius Wright made a couple great catches today. I'm not saying that when Diggs comes back and if Floyd, when he comes back, that they should be, that those guys shouldn't play in favor of Jarius Wright. But this is very, very simple to me. Laquan Treadwell can't play. He's slow. He'll make a couple catches here and there, but he's incredibly slow, and his effective value is almost nil. Jarius Wright's a very good reserve player, but if there's any like question there, to me, it's really simple. Okay, Jarius Wright plays. Laquan doesn't. Yeah, I uh, agree with that. And, I mean, Jarius Wright has not had to be a big part of this offense over the last two years, really, because last year Thielen and Diggs emerged, and this year they've been – Pro Bowl worthy, two of the best wide receivers in the league. But when one guy's out and then you have to decide who you're going to look to, Jarius Wright is that guy, not Laquan Treadwell. I know what you're saying, that there was never much doubt because he can't really get open, can't get separation from NFL corners. Zero. And, you know, part of the reason that the Vikings offense struggled so much early in this game was that they only were using one single high safety and they were leaving Laquan Treadwell one-on-one and not even thinking about his side of the field that, that they were reacting to everything on the other side, not him at all from the middle over. It was like, all right, he's taken care of. And now we can focus, put all these guys in the box to try and shut down Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon, not let them beat us react to screen passes, things like that. I mean, there was one screen pass where McKinnon got blown up. And it's really, it often comes down to, this is as I try to soak in more football, Judd. You can never, can have never You can never, never soak in it. It's like wine. You can never soak enough of it ne- in. Well, football, though. That's what I'm about. I know, I know. So, you love football. Uh, anyway, but w- one of the things is a lot of those types of plays that I, I find, run success or screen passes, things like that, it comes down to just numbers. Like, just today, they run a screen pass toward the end of the game to Kyle Rudolph on a play action. One guy hesitates a little bit, and now you've got numbers. And now you've got one opening, and everyone does their job. 
Well, if the team on the other side can shut down Laquan Treadwell with one player and doesn't even have to look at him, then they've got numbers somewhere. And they need better than that. Whether it's Stacy Coley, whether they give Rodney Adams a try, I don't know about that because he isn't really much of a route runner. Mm-hmm. But Treadwell is blocking okay, and he caught, made a couple of catches, but he's zero threat. They don't believe that any deep ball will beat them, yep. and therefore they can shut him down one-on-one every time. It's kind of like the Xavier Rhodes effect. When you put someone on Xavier and you don't have to worry about the rest of the field, only they can do that because your wide receiver is so ineffective. And the interception uh, that uh, that Treadwell actually tipped not once but twice, both hands, and before he tipped it to the defender for Baltimore at the at the three was the exact type of play that was advertised as the play that Treadwell could make coming out, out of college. Right, go up for the ball. You know, it doesn't because that was not a that was not necessarily a speed route. I mean, yes, speed helps, but that was a route where he basically mistimed his leap, which is the second or third time that he's done that on a ball that's been thrown for him. He mistimed his leap. Therefore, he tipped it. I think he tipped it with his left hand, and it was going to fall incomplete. So then he tried to recover, and he tipped it with his right hand, and it went right to the defender. But that was, to me, that was a textbook example of the type of play that was advertised as, oh, he can do this. He can't do it. He Uh, just can't. Nope. Nope, and he can't get away from anyone either. It's not like you can throw him short passes like you could Cordero Patterson. Oh, no, no, no. Which, by the way, I was watching the Raiders the other day. Uh, Cordero Patterson hasn't learned routes. Let's just say that. No, no, he, he could care less. He, he doesn't care. He's, he's he, paid to be an athlete, and that's what he's, pay, and that's what he's doing. Yeah, he is, no, he doesn't care about routes. He has not all of a sudden figured it out. It was really eye-popping how poor he was any time the Raiders sent him down the field. But anyway... You digress. So with with Treadwell, what they need is Diggs back real bad. And maybe Diggs misses this game, this next game against the Browns, because you can survive that. But past that, they need Diggs to be a, a complete offense, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford, or Case Keenum, to be effective at all on the offense to give – I mean, that's the, the centerpiece, really, of the offense. It became Delvin Cook, but – what it, the reason that they could spread out defenses so well is because they have those guys on each side of the field with Thielen and Diggs. They can line them up in the slot. Thielen has stopped being as much of a slot receiver because you can't line up Treadwell in the slot. But Thielen was an extreme mismatch for corners in the slot mm-hmm. and had a lot of success there. I, so everything affects the next thing. I, still, I sit Diggs on Sunday. Yeah, me too. I don't play him. In fact, I don't take him on the trip. I leave him here agree. in the states, and I say you're going to rehab here. And when you and when we come back from the bye, you are going to be 100 percent because if we are going to have a chance to actually have success, I mean, if you can't beat Cleveland w- with the uh, personnel that they put out here today, you're in big trouble. So, I, and I think they can, and I think they'll win big. Uh, so that being said, if it's up to me, if it was up to me, I would leave Diggs here, and I would say we will see you when we get back from the bye, and you are going to be a huge factor in the second half of the season. Latavius Murray was a difference maker today for the first for time. Him. Nice as guy. A, he is a very nice guy. I saw his uh, transcript of his post game, the longest by anybody. That he's always got good things to say. We've said this before. He's a very smart guy. He's very thoughtful. Who's beeping that? Can you hear some, that on she, the podcast? There's, there's a doing that. authority figure in a in some type of uh, cart down there. Was it Marshawn Lynch? Beeping the <laughs> driving the cart. Uh, you know, you never know. Uh, anyway, you never so know. sorry if you heard beeping in the background. It's done now. But Latavius Murray, yes. And Latavius Murray, I think when the Vikings got him, they hoped for what they saw today, 
or at least some more flashes of this. Sure. You weren't expecting 100 yards a game. But in Oakland and previously in his career, he was very fast. He ran a 4.38 for a guy who's 6'3", 230 pounds. That's really impressive. And what you saw today finally was some speed. Early in the game, you pointed out that on one run, he didn't look like he had a whole lot of cut and a whole lot of burst, but maybe he got the ankle warmed up after a while and finally, for the first time, looked like he was explosive. The only however I would throw out there Mm -hmm. is this is a same defense that gave up 230 yards rushing to the Bears. They're 29th in the league. They're They're not good against the uh, run. Right, but at least a positive sign for Latavius Murray because it was looking pretty disastrous so far in Minnesota, but now... uh, a good game, and maybe he's got it back. He tried to dismiss the, the ankle in the post game by saying, well, you, you guys seem fixated on it, but I've said for a couple weeks now or a, a while now that it's fine, and I don't think it's fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this was the, for what they probably expected. I'm sure that, that the Vikings were disappointed so far. Now, when Cook was playing, it was a, a different story because he was just a superior player, and Murray was not going to play as much. Um, but the last two games since Cook got hurt – McKinnon has led the team in rushing. Murray finally did that today. But, yeah, I mean, you just need him. And and he broke off, uh, I believe, the first play from scrimmage in the third quarter today. He broke off a 35-yard run, and then he came back the next series for the Vikings and had the 29-yard touchdown run. So that accounts for a lot of his 113 yards today. But, you know, I think if you have a situation where he and McKinnon can both get carries and they can both contribute and they don't have to be great, but if they're solid, you're fine. Uh, because the loss of Cook, I mean, I keep coming back to that. We should never underestimate what that did to th- this offense because Dalvin Cook, as you said before, gave this offense options that were fantastic, and not all of those, but a, a lot of those now are gone. I think they could still be effective with these two running backs, though, and that they've shown that enough. Yeah, they've no, but, that, but that's opponents. what I'm saying. But yeah. they can both rotate. I mean, I don't care if one has one, a big game one week right. and it's Murray one week, like this week, and then McKinnon in, in against the Browns. You know, yeah. that to me. But I'm just saying as far as the potentials, the, the potential things that Dalvin Cook gave. I mean, Dalvin Cook made defensive lives miserable. Yes, These two aren't going to do that. That doesn't mean these two can't be good. But when you sat down and you were trying to scheme for Dalvin Cook could do this, he could do that, he could do it all really, really well for the most part, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a pain in the butt. I would say that McKinnon and Murray can be effective. I would never say that they're going to be a pain in the butt for uh, opposing defensive coordinators. Uh, Judd, where does this rank in your life as the best performances by kickers in a single game that you have ever covered? Oh, it's right up there. In fact, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I've... I believe the nine field goals combined that we saw today, Kai Forbath six and uh, Justin Tucker, who's unbelievable at three, ties a National Football League record. So it's up there. Um, But I will say I think we have now seen up until now the most impressive kicking performance that I've seen from a single kicker would would have been uh, Matt Prater of the Lions last year who came in and tied the game at the end of the fourth quarter with a ridiculous boot. Justin Tucker replaces him in my mind now. That leg is off the charts. I think that his 57 could have been 65. It was yes. way through. Yes. I mean, that thing, like Kai Forbath's kicks from 50, they went through and it was pretty good. But Tucker's looked like it was from 40. 
They were picking up speed, I think. <laughs> they looked like they were going to like land for a while and then take off again. Like uh, with uh, Barry Bonds' home run, where they would look like they were, if they didn't hit the stands, they would have kept going. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that it's a huge point in the game, but just the fact that you can rely on Kai Forbath, not on extra points, but you can rely on All him mental. when it comes to making long field goals. I think he's proven that he's missed what one field goal since he's been here yeah he's been great so on field for the goals. first time in quite some time you feel confident in your kicker and also good luck to justin tucker because uh he plays for a really bad team they're gonna need him a lot and he's really really good at kicking that football they're not good they're just not good baltimore is just no. not good no how about being in the uh, afc north oh my gosh like yeah. what a disaster that is Pittsburgh isn't even that good. Cleveland is the worst thing I've ever well, seen. At, the Ravens are pretty terrible. Matthew, look at this entire league. I mean, you could uh, – hey, listen, it's fun to watch games. I get that, okay? And I love – and if the Vikings aren't playing, I think it's great to w- sit down and watch the r- Red Zone channel and see them switch from game to game. But when you watch sing- – I mean, I've s- said this now for three years, and it's more true now than th- three years ago. When you watch individual games in this league, there's a very good chance that you're going to watch crap. I mean, today was, listen, the Vikings defense is good. I get that. Baltimore's not good. The Vikings offense, ugh. Case Keenum. Case Keenum starting a quarterback in this league. What else you got? Did you have any other things before we get to agree or disagree? I do not. I just want to play the game. Okay. All right. Agree or disagree. Next week against the Cleveland Browns, the Vikings will have their most decided victory of the season. And we're, are we talking about for the rest of the season as well or just up till now? The whole season. They will they will whoop the Browns by more than they have beaten anybody else this year. Agree. Browns are awful. Now, the travel does stop me a little bit because you're going to uh, uh, Twi- Twickenham Stadium to play. But I'm going to go, yes, agree. Agree or disagree, the Vikings defense pitches a shutout against the Browns. Disagree. They'll get a field goal. <laughs> field goal. <laughs> agree or disagree, Judd. By the time they come back, after next week's game, we will have Teddy, whatever his middle name is, Bridgewater, as the starting quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. By the time they come back? N- not not when? Cleveland. After the bye, okay. Washington at Washington, he will be the starting Disagree. quarterback. Disagree. Will not happen. I'm not, I'm not going to go week by week. Do you have a – I've said before, oh, I, I, told think it's, you. No. I think it's Thanksgiving we, is when he's coming back. We, I, think we are, I think we believe the same exact thing. The only difference is you're saying the Thanksgiving Day game at the Ford Field in Detroit. I am saying I think the following week in, in Atlanta. But his first appearance of the 2017 season, Matthew, will not be as a starter. I believe he goes in for a struggling Case Keenum much like in a game like today is at halftime. Yeah. When you come out in the third quarter and good old Case has been aiming the ball and not throwing it in the right direction and making some really bad passes, and they say, Teddy, it's your time. Uh, I'm saying Atlanta. I think you're saying Detroit. Agree or disagree, if not for the paycheck, Joe Flacco would have retired. Um, can I actually audible my answer to I think he did during the course of this game, but he just continued to go out there? I saw, I saw a guy running a hurry-up offense at the end of that game who had no interest in it being hurried up. So, yes, I, I guess fundamentally I, I agree. He would have retired. Laquan Treadwell will catch more than 25 passes this season. What's he at right now? Um, uh, 
after today, I believe he is at. Uh, okay, I'm not sure. Okay, I'm going to. Because he had eight. I'm going to disagree. So eleven. I forget what I said the last time. I thought I thought that you asked this question uh, on a recent podcast. Oh, I of may me. have. But anyway, whatever my answer was then, I'm going to probably change it now, and I'm going to say disagree because when guys start to come back, I just don't see a, a reason to play them. I mean, when Diggs comes back and Floyd comes back, and with how uh, Jerry's right played today, I can't find a compelling case. To keep playing it again, it's, there's no way I kept to it away avoid from, it. I kept it away from Keenum though. There, there's no way to avoid. I it. can't find a compelling Bradford or Bridgewater either to keep playing that guy. That doesn't make any sense. Do you? You're right. Have a feeling. I'll just ask you to agree or disagree on the biggest picture of the big pictures. When we get to the end of this regular season, the national analysts are saying, "Watch out for the Minnesota Vikings in the Super Bowl in Minnesota." Agree or disagree that that's what they're saying at the end of the season. I'm What's your feeling right now? I'm going to agree with that based on this. They love to talk about defenses, right? This, def- this Mike Zimmer defense. I'm going to agree and say, yes, I could very easily see that given the current climate in this league, given the fact that there are so many bad teams, and given the fact that this defense is, assuming health continues, is really, really good. I will agree. I got one more. Just while we're rolling on big picture. Sam Bradford ever going to play for an NFL team again? Yes, I think he will. I think he will sign. I, I don't know if he's going to come back this year, but I think he's going to get one more contract. Now, it m- might not be as big, clearly, as we previously thought, but teams are so stopped for quarterbacks in this league that I think if he can, if they can go in and, I don't know, scope it. I find it interesting that Zimmer said again on Friday, this remains non-surgical. Like I, I don't get where this is going. It, it to me this to me this sounds like a clear needs to be scoped, which would would knock him out for a long time. But he's out for a long time right now. Um, but yeah, because quarterback plays so bad in this league, Matthew, and because teams are so starved and panicked for quarterbacks, I think he will play again. Okay, well that is it for us. <laughs> For now, as we watch the Dallas Cowboys, their kicker got hurt, and I think one of their special teams guys just took a field goal and missed. Oh. Uh, And that was hilarious. Anyway, the Cowboys (laughs) look pretty darn good. And the Niners are just awful. Uh, But that's it for us. So we will be back. Courtney and I will be back. I don't believe she is going to London, so we will have podcasts, uh, bring you some more things throughout the week, and appreciate you all listening to the Purple Podcast. Bye.